Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you so much for joining us. I am your host, Chris Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Torres Takes. Here with my co-host, Mike Carter of Fantrax and Rotoballer. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. I sound better than you do. Are you sick again, Chris? <sighs> Bro, it, it just, this is life with kids, man. It, it just never ends. It's, <laughs> we went through one round of sickness and we're on to the next. So, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, you know what, though? Overall, I'm good. I got a belly full of Chinese food in me right now. Nice. I'm feeling fat and happy on MSG and whatever other chemicals they got in there to make that shit taste so good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it could be better, but it ain't life ain't so bad right now. Amen to that. You know what? It's good to be alive. And sun was out today. It was good. We're gonna talk some ball. I know you were just on with Joe Arico talking Yankees. I was just on talking about the White Sox. I don't know how we talked about it for more than fifty minutes, but we did. And uh, always good to talk with you, man. Like, I miss talking to you. Like, it's really good to be able to connect with you and still do the show every once in a while. Like, we'll start again doing more, right? We got another big show coming next week. But I like that we just get a chance to talk to each other tonight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's just me and Mike. Um, no no guests today. And uh, that segues. I just wanted to kind of start off by um, letting our listeners know that we'll we'll change up our format a little bit. So we're going to go back to weekly as... Mike had mentioned, uh, which we were doing during the season, uh, but we're going to change it up and, and do shorter episodes and uh, thinking like half an hour, give or take, uh, partially because I'm getting old and uh, I can't stay up past 9 p.m. anymore. So, <laughs> um, but uh, also, you know, I think it, it is easier to digest, I guess, when there are shorter episodes like that, unlike the Chinese chicken and broccoli that I just ate, uh, which isn't so easy to digest. But, uh, you know, sometimes like even as a listener, sometimes like I'll look at a podcast and see it's like an hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, I don't really know if I want to, you know, listen to a full hour, not to say like, you know, I mean, they they still be great, even if they're that long. But sometimes it's just like, I, I gravitate more to ones that are a little bit shorter, you know, and, uh, so I was thinking for multiple reasons, it makes sense to kind of cut back. But uh, again, we'll be going back to weekly and we're going to switch it up in terms of we'll, we'll still be having beat writers on. But I think that's going to be an every other week thing, partially because it's damn hard to to book these people. It's a lot of work that it is, um, that it is. you know, so uh, but yeah, we'll we'll do the plan is to do a beat writer interview one week and then the following week we'll do. Either just me and Mike, or me, Mike, and and a fantasy uh, a guest from the fantasy industry. So uh, that's that's the plan moving forward. Uh, but for today, we are uh, it's just going to be me and Mike. We're going to take we're going to start off by taking a look at some recent uh, beat writer reports that have come out since pitchers and catchers reported. Uh, we'll discuss some takeaways from a recent draft that Mike did, and uh, and then we'll be ending with our usual mental health minute. So. Let's let's rock, man. Um, wanted to start out. The first report that I had on the list here was about. Uh, of course, it had to be about closers because I got you here, and you're you're the closer <laughs> dude. Um, but this was reported by Christopher Smith uh, of Mass Live, a colleague of our buddy uh, Chris Catillo. 
And uh, he reported a few days ago that Kenley Jansen has been shut down from throwing with lat soreness. Uh, And they're saying that this is precautionary and that he hopes to start throwing again in a week. So, uh, but my question to you, uh, Mike, is what the heck are we doing with this Red Sox bullpen? I mean, I haven't drafted Kenley Jansen anywhere because... Number one, the age. Like, I just, I don't know. I just never, I never feel comfortable pressing the button on him. So it's the age. It's the, then you heard about the trade rumors. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know where he's going to end up. And I don't know. It's just, and now you got this possible injury. Like, I don't know what to do with him. And, you know, the next thing is like, what do we do if Kenley is moved or this injury is more serious? Like, how do we handle this Red Sox bullpen? Cause someone's going to be going to, really uh, shoot up in value uh, up the draft board. So who should we be looking at? The guy that I'm really kind of hoping can sneak in here and get the job is Whitlock. Um, I I think he's the guy that probably profiles the best as a guy in the bullpen. I think it's fairly certain that if Jansen, if Jansen is healthy, he's going to get moved in our, in our Glarf draft last week, uh, Jansen went in the middle of the ninth round and, uh, was drafted as that team's first closer. Um, I did not have that level of confidence. I ended up taking, I had, um, I was going to take Duran first, but I got sniped by my good friend, um, Doug Roth. And I was drafting between him and Sarah Sanchez. So I'll let you guess how that went last weekend for me. Uh, long story short, I don't have a lot of confidence in Jansen. I keep waiting for him to fall off a cliff and he seems to continue to find ways every year to be able to get saves. He's throwing one pitch. I think he's going to get traded. I don't believe, like a lot of people do, that Chris Martin would be the closer either. He's almost 39 years old, and I don't know that he's a guy that you would be comfortable with as a closer there. To me, it feels like uh, Whitlock would be the guy. Um, then again, with this rotation the way that it is, you never know. I mean, you you have Tanner Houck and Whitlock, who every year it seems like have a lack of role clarity and we don't know what they're really going to be doing. So I'm not really touching Kenley here. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's people who think that he's going to get traded and that maybe he would go to the Dodgers. Dave Roberts did say today that as constructed right now, Evan Phillips was going to get the brunt of the saves, which surprises no one, but I would rather have Phillips be closing for me right now than Jansen. Mm-hmm. I, so I don't really think I want to touch this situation until we get a little bit of clarity. At the same time, I'm not too worried. I guess as a drafter, I'm not too worried about a guy coming into camp that maybe has a little bit of a, a tweak. You know, they always err on the side of ca- uh, caution right now. It, it probably is nothing. If it was during the regular season, would it be pitching? To me, that's a little bit more of a measuring stick at this point. I, one thing I do worry about, though, Chris, and I don't know how you feel about this, is all these guys that all of a sudden are coming into camp with these injuries this week, like what have you been doing? What's been going on all winter? Like, did they not realize that he had a lat issue last week? You know what I mean? Like, how does he just realize that now? Maybe, maybe they're just not telling people. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Well, some of these things, it it seems like just kind of popped up, like as they were ramping up maybe last month or I, I, I don't know, but I feel like I'm just like so tense over the past couple days, uh, because you just like are bracing for news. Like it's like a flood of news is about to come in about who is like dealing with an injury. Like, you know, right. I had Verlander um, who I didn't draft anywhere, but I had, I just drafted Bradish, And then I get the news today that he has a UCL sprain and, 
you know, and, and with Jansen. So you're getting like these injuries that nobody knew about that all of a sudden, like this is coming out now that they're reporting. So it's, uh, yeah, this is, uh, it's exciting because at least we're getting something to talk about and react to, but it's, uh, it can be, if you've already drafted a bunch of teams, it's our, it's like, all right, like who's, you, you feel like you're just kind of like dodging bullets at this point, you know? Uh, so it can, it can be a, a little bit frustrating, but, um, okay. So getting back to the Red Sox. So you're thinking Whitlock is, is worth a look as a potential guy that could step in if Jansen was like, he could be the next man up if Jansen has moved or, or goes down due to injury. That would be my role of the dice right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, moving on to, and this is another bullpen situation. And listen, this guy is not a, a big name, but uh, it did get me thinking about the Yankee bullpen and wanted I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Gary Phillips of the New York Daily News, uh, guest, uh, former guest of the show, uh, reported that mm-hmm. Scott Efros had back surgery in December and that he will be sidelined until the summer. Uh, didn't have an exact mm-hmm. timetable, but... And yeah, Scott Efros was not a guy we were looking at as like, uh, you know, a, a great chance of getting saves. But I know there were some people that were kind of on him as a late spec, uh, super late in DCs, um, thinking that, you know, the Yankees traded for him uh, at the trade deadline a few years ago. Then he went down and got Tommy John surgery. And, and there were people saying that if anything happened to Holmes, it could be Efros. Mm-hmm. Uh, want to get your thoughts, Mike? What is this Yankee bullpen? I, I assume right now it looks like Holmes uh, he's safe as the closer, but it, there seems to be a real lack of clarity about who steps up behind him. I know there's been talk about Loisaga, uh, Canely. So, what is your take on this Yankees bullpen? Well, it's a mess. I think that that's really the the big thing to point out here. You know, that we really don't have a lot of clarity here in terms of what's going to end up happening with this bullpen. And I, I think you touched on it really nicely. You know, they they did just uh, sign Lou Trevino, but he's not going to be ready till midseason either. And so he's got some closing experience. Efros is a guy that a lot of people did like as a potential, I don't want to say handcuff to Holmes, but as a guy backing up Holmes. Luizaga is, uh, he was really good before, but last year he was hurt. The strikeout rate was way down. Is it possible that he's still kind of navigating through injury there? Uh, Tommy Canley, the same thing. They they did have a couple of really nice additions that kind of were under the radar here in the last couple of weeks, and Victor Gonzalez and Caleb Ferguson, who are two lefties. Um, I've long thought that Ferguson is primed for a higher leverage role than what he's been in. I think that having those two guys in their bullpen is going to be better than having Wandy. Wandy did a nice job for them, but I, I, I always felt like it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Another guy that a lot of people are really high on there is Ian Hamilton, who was a former White Sox that they signed as a free agent um, last winter, I believe. He had a pretty nice season for them. You know, he's got a pretty high velocity arm and uh, and a good strikeout rate. So it, it really kind of remains to be seen. I mean, they're really set up for Holmes to be the guy. Um, I, and I think that if Luizaga shows that he's back, that they would love for Luizaga to be that high leverage guy in the seventh or eighth inning and kind of build backwards. You know, they, they do have some good parts there though, uh, potentially, um, with, uh, as you said, Canely and Luizaga, Hamilton is a guy that I like Ferguson, Gonzalez, Marinaccio is still there too. Although I know I'm not so sure how anybody really feels about him anymore. 
it's hard to say. And then if you kind of dip down and look into the minor leagues, you know, uh, Luis Gill is a guy that also um, is 25 years old, almost 26 years old now, and could have a role on that bullpen too, depending on how things shake out with their rotation, you know? So I think it's kind of up in the air. I mean, I, people obviously are drafting Holmes as a closer, but um, definitely the wise guy, if he's healthy, could really step up, but we don't know that yet. Yeah. And it never seems like the Yankees want to um, really commit to him. Like when he's had a chance to take the role before, it never seemed like they were comfortable giving him the closer role. So, uh, Loisica, I'm speaking about. So right. I don't know. It, it would be interesting if anything happened to Holmes. I mean, the play I thought for the Yankees as as, as a fan uh, was to get Hater. I mean, that, and, you know, it's like a double whammy because not only. You not get them, but you lose them to your biggest rival. So right, right. Um, well, what about you know? You know, you know I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them at all make a move at some point. I mean, n- now with Baltimore seeming kind of ripe for the yeah. picking, that I mean, what about looking at a guy like uh, trying to get a David Bednar or a Tanner Scott? You know, like those are guys that could be available in the right situation and would really kind of add something to the back end of that bullpen if they decided they wanted to go that route. Yeah, could definitely see that at the deadline, um, but feel like you kind of needed to do that now. Like we don't, I don't think the Yankees are good enough where they can just wait till then. So right. I understand what they do, but I got to say, man, you know, your bull, like, you know, like these bullpens in and out, like you, you, you know, your shit. It's my job. Yeah, I, I got. I, I don't you, get. Like, I don't what, get. I don't get paid to know, but I guess you know. It's yeah. fun. What even got you in into bullpens? Was this something when you first got into the industry? You were like, this was your just what you were most interested in, or did it just kind of happen by chance? Like, how did you even get into that? It's a total accident, really. I um, yeah. I, st- I started out in the during the pandemic. I mean, four years ago now, I guess it was. Um, I hooked on with the Roto Fanatic guys, you know, when they were trying to build that site and figuring out what that was. And when I when I I applied, I actually I had applied to work at uh, SP Streamer, mm-hmm. and Michael Simeone had actually filled that spot. I was late uh, filling, you know, filling out the application and trying to get in. But he said, "Hey, there's these other guys I know that are doing this thing," and so I started over there. And what I was first approached with was. Boy, we really need somebody to cover relievers. And I was like, okay, well, I've never done that. I've never done anything in terms of fantasy writing. So the first couple of times I did it, it was a disaster. I, I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was supposed to be looking for. And then I have the benefit of knowing guys like Greg Jewett and Doug Dennis. And they're to me, those guys are the gold standard, the dynasty guru, you know, these guys that are all like really big into bullpens and no stuff. I just try to shut up, which I know is hard for people to understand because I'm always talking. But um, really got to learn from those guys and really kind of developed a little bit of a style of looking at things and bringing it to it. So, yeah, it was totally by accident and it just kind of ended up that way. And then uh, when Roto Fanatic uh, went under, I thought my writing career was pretty much over. I didn't really I didn't know I was going to land anywhere else and had the good fortune to know Eric Cross pretty well. And Eric brought me on at Fantrax and then also helped me get on at Roto Baller now. So I guess the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, you look at you now. You're you're like a big star. I see you everywhere. You're on everybody's podcast. You're writing in multiple sites. I mean, just uh, you're, you're crushing. I, I like I, I like to be busy. I appreciate that, but I like to be busy, and you know why? 
I'm I'm definitely on the back nine of life. I'm 50 years gotta, old. I got to fit everything in now. It's... I I really I really I, I as I said to Joe tonight, I realized that all of this could vanish like a fart in the wind very quickly. As soon as you're into it, you could be out of it, right? So like I have an opportunity. I'm really fortunate to have those opportunities. People who believe in my ability to write and be able to kind of transmit some knowledge to people or whatever. I've been really, really lucky. I've been really lucky to have you in my life as a friend and also as the co-host of this podcast. I'm doing things that three years ago, I never axed that out because it's an opportunity that a lot of people might not get. And so I feel like if you work hard and continue to do the work and kind of keep your nose to the grindstone and don't be a jerk to people. Maybe good things can happen for you. Very well said. Yeah, I was I was trying to muster up a fart to kind of like demonstrate what you were saying, but uh, didn't didn't come to me yet. Uh, give me about fifteen minutes. We'll we'll be ready to go. Yeah, the, the Chinese food's going to course through you quickly, my friend. It, yeah, it, it's I feel it's moving. It's moving. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, sticking with bullpens. Um, but someone who may be a potential starting option, that's Ronaldo Lopez. Um, Justin oh, Toscano, oh, the manager God. of the Constitution. Your boy, Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, I can't quit him, bro. Uh, that's why I had to throw this in there because I'm, I'm, I'm a little hyped. <laughs> um, he reported that Ronaldo Lopez is going to get a chance to compete for that fifth starter spot in the Braves rotation. So, you know Raylo well. Um, he's going around like in the 400, 450 range of, of drafts right now. Um, I just scooped him in a draft recently. Is he someone that you'd be looking at as a deep league target? You know, I have to put my fandom aside and answer the question. So Ronaldo Lopez is a live arm. There's no doubt about it. And you know, the White Sox traded him, traded for him and got him from the Nationals and brought him in. And they didn't really know what to do with him right away. And uh, he had some success in the bullpen. I never saw him as a guy who was a closer. I thought that this is a guy that you could bring in in the fifth or sixth inning. and He could be lights out for two innings. And that was the role that he seemed to serve best in. The issue for me with Ronaldo Lopez has never been about stuff. It's always been about the mental makeup. And He's really struggled with a number of things over the course of the, of years when he's with the White Sox. Concentration and focus was an issue. His eyesight was an issue. They got him fitted for those things and made some changes. If, if you look at what the Braves are doing, I mean, they have a plethora of riches, right? It's almost embarrassing when you look at what they have in the bullpen and what they have in the rotation. Obviously, you know, they have Strider. They have Freed. They've got a 40-year-old Charlie Morton. They got Chris Sale, who... With looks like he'd probably be really good. And I, I guess right now you'd have to say that the favorite, quote-unquote, for the fifth spot would be Bryce Elder. If Bryce Elder doesn't get the fifth role, he's probably going to the minor leagues, right? So they've got Raylo in a situation where he could be a high-leverage reliever, but they also have A.J. Minter. They have Joe Jimenez. They have Pierce Johnson. They've got a you know Tyler Matzik. They've got Bummer. They've got a, a just an embarrassment of riches there in the bullpen. It makes sense to see if Lopez can start again. He's only 30 years old. Um, he's got a high strikeout arm if he was able to do that. And with that bullpen, 
they don't need him to pitch seven innings, which I don't think he could do anyway. So I think I'm softened my stance on Raylo, right? And I think he's a guy that if he wins the fifth starter role, I think would be really a draftable commodity. I think it's great that you took a chance on him with the idea that he might be able to develop into something more than what he's been because otherwise he's just another cog in the wheel there and doesn't really have like a really clear role, but he's, started in the past he's had some success he's got the pedigree to start why not i think it's a great idea all right i i like it baby i like it um yeah i just i was super intrigued by the fact that the braves at the beginning of the offseason really made it a priority to go out and get him you know like the braves know what they're doing i trust what i i trust their judgment and they came right out and gave him a three-year deal um, so obviously they saw something in him and I found it interesting. I was looking at just like his stuff plus numbers and all of those metrics. And, you know, he's mainly a fastball slider guy. Uh, and they're, they both right. grade out as elite pitches by stuff plus. And I, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be blasphemous here, but they also <laughs> have another pitcher in their rotation with that arsenal, right? The elite fastball slider combo. You know what I'm talking right. about. Spencer Strider. Um, and Raylo, he had a velo increase last year, uh, up to 98.3 on the fastball, which, you know, back with, uh, let's see, with the White Sox, he was 95.8. Then he went up to 97.1 and 98.3 last year. So um, I don't know. I think there's something there. And I just, from a, a strategy perspective, I like taking a guy like that at that point who I have multiple outs with, who I have, you know, there's, so if he gets a fifth starter role, like in the Braves rotation, even if he's just a five inning pitcher, that's still really valuable, right? Because he's a high strikeout arm, like you said, and just, you know, the win potential on that team. So, I mean, that's like the best case scenario. Um, Worst case scenario, he's just a middle reliever who pitches one to two innings at a time. But I mean, I think we, being on the Braves, being that he could be a guy who pitches, you know, sixth, seventh inning and uh, high leverage moments, like he's in position to get a good amount of wins on that team. So, you know, I'm like a week where my starters don't have great matchups. I feel pretty good once in a while throwing him in there as just a mm-hmm. guy who's going to get me four to five Ks and maybe a chance at a win, which that that's totally fine. Absolutely. Um, so and, and then, yeah, I know they've got a lot of leverage arms, too, but. What if he comes out and he's just like melting faces and something happens to Iglesias? Is he completely out of the mix for saves? I mean, it's unlikely, but I'm just saying like the idea is he could get value in so many different ways. So mm-hmm. at that point in the draft, I just feel like it's it's a great pick. Um, so that is where I'm at on Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, but we're going to move ahead to our next segment here. Um, and Mike, I wanted to... Have you kind of do a little bit of a review and and discuss some takeaways from your recent Glarf draft? I love saying that. Um, <laughs> part of the Earth conglomerate. Uh, so this is a 15-team league. And uh, yeah, so just tell me. I know you did it this past weekend. You had some uh, tough competition in there. So just give me your overall thoughts on the draft and anything that you are going to take away and maybe implement in uh, your drafts moving forward. Sure. You know, I think the um, the room itself in there is just a phenomenal room. 
the people that are in there, not only are they great players, but they're also great people. And so we did our draft in Cleveland. So I drove 400 miles to Cleveland Friday and Saturday and then drove back on Sunday. It's well worth it. I love doing that and uh, hanging around with those folks. It's the best room that I'm in every year, I would say, in terms of the quality of the people that are drafting and what they know and the type of player they are. So I really feel like it's um, in my best interest to really be prepared for that one as much as I can. That being said, I didn't prepare hardly at all this year because I just haven't had a lot of time uh, other than writing content and whatnot. So I think my biggest takeaway from it that that uh, I've been kind of sharing with people who ask about it is that I don't think there's any mocking that you can do to prepare to be in a room with that caliber of people that are in there, right? You know, Marty Tallman, Matty Wood, Dave Swan, Lucas Beery, you know, just the list goes on and on, right? There's great people in that room. And you have to kind of really know what your strategy is going to be going in, determine what your build is going to look like and what you kind of want it to look like and be ready to pivot at a moment's notice so that the queue becomes your best friend. You always have to have four or five people in your queue. If I'm drafting my home league, I don't have a queue because I'm just like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to end up working out okay. When you're in a room like that, you're not going to really be able to do that. The one thing that a mock does not prepare you for in an expert league is how fast the pitchers will fly off the market. So every mock that I was doing, just about pitchers were going fifth, sixth round. People were really starting with hitter heavy. I had the 13th pick. I wanted the 13th pick, which a lot of people thought was weird because I wanted Garrett Cole. And I wanted to build around Garrett Cole this year. So I did Garrett Cole. Then I took Soto when Juan Soto fell to the second round. And then Corey oh. Seager was there at the third. And I know, I know he's hurt, but what the hell? I'm going to let it ride. So I, I started Cole, Soto, Seager, Class A. I wanted Duran, but I got sniped. And then Jazz, Max Freed was my number two. Seiya Suzuki, Spencer Steer was a mistake. I had an opportunity to draft Casas, and I should have there. But I took Steer, who's got the multi-positional eligibility. Sal Perez, and then Yandy Diaz was my 10th pick. Um, I, I, I was really happy with the way that it went for me. There were some guys that came to me that I wasn't expecting to come to me. Always hindsight is twenty twenty. There's things that you wish you would do differently. However, the thing that I like to do in those leagues, too, is draft those Swiss Army Knife type guys, you know, the guys that have multi-positional eligibility. So I've got, um, I've got, uh, as I said, I've got Steer, who's got eligibility, first base, third base, and outfield. I also got Jordan Westberg later on, who's got uh, uh, eligibility at second base and third base. I got Gavin Lux, another guy that's got the multi-positional eligibility, because I like to have options. And I think to me, that's really the thing. But here's the here's the overall thing, Chris, that I would say, and I think this is what people forget a lot in drafts. Before anything, a draft is supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun doing it, and if you're super stressed out about drafting in a room with your friends and having a couple of beers, then maybe you need to either chill out and maybe take a blood pressure pill or maybe find another hobby because it's not supposed to be stressful. It's supposed to be fun. Can you imagine? I mean, what's more fun than doing an M, uh, an MLB fantasy draft? Tell me. I mean, wait a minute. Let me edit that. Let me edit that because are, <laughs> yeah, other, right. this is a G rated show, bro. Yeah, there are people listening, and I know you, and I know what you're about to say. <laughs> I get it. I know, but <laughs> but seriously, like in reality, like what's more fun than doing that? Nothing. 
Um, and it always be playing against players that are better than you. I'm the I'm the worst player in Glarf. I will say that. Even though the draft software liked my draft, that's a kiss of death. We all know oh, that. Oh, right? yeah, like, no, for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> like we got done and Marty, I turned to Marty Tom and I go, what was your draft grade? Because I got 100%. I go, you're totally screwed. <laughs> like, yep, it's just yep. not going to go well for you. But my point is that it's that's the fun of it. That's why we do it. Always be playing against people that are better than you. That's how you learn, right? Like, if you go back to when you were a young guy roaming the streets of New York, how did you learn about about being a better baseball player? How did you learn about being a better you know, street basketball player or whatever, being a hustler that you are, right? How did you learn? You learned by doing it and by learning from people that were better than you, right? Then you take your craft and you develop it the way that you want it to be. That's the, uh, that's the privilege of being able to play in leagues like that, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Where do I want to start? Um, well, first of all, did you get Keaton Wynn? Because I texted you and I was like, "Listen, man, th- this is this is the pick." Did you end up getting him? Wait, say that again. You broke up. Keaton Wynn. I, I texted you while you were drafting and said, "Go get Keaton Wynn." You, I think you needed a little help with your pitching. Did you get him? I, I did not get him. Come on, bro. He got drafted, right? He got he got drafted. Matty Wood took him like in the twenty eighth round. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, in that twenty eighth round, I took uh, Sedani Raffaella. Okay. Mm. That, that could work okay. out that, yeah it could if he gets the job there, yeah but you were right you're right about win guy i i know you're right you you have a much better mind for that stuff than i do i i get to the end of a draft and i kind of i have a tendency to lose a little bit of focus or like i'll be like oh max scherzer okay why not and it's like oh well maybe not maybe you shouldn't do that you know so yeah. um i you know i try to go for guys that have some upside at the end i ended up like I did the uh, Colson Montgomery, Rafaela, you know, kind of stuff at the end, you know. Uh, so okay. we'll see how it works out. I mean, it never works out the way that you think it's going to. For anybody who's interested in who I have as closers, because that's what I do for a little bit of a living in fantasy baseball, I ended up with uh, Class A, who I, I mentioned before. Class A was actually the uh, fourth closer off the board, I think. Um I, it went Williams, Diaz, Duran, and then I went Class A. I'm not super high on uh, Hader this year. Uh, he actually fell a little bit. Um, and so I ended up with, for anybody who's interested, which might be no one, I ended up with Class I, A. I took Mason Miller in the 15th round. Okay. And then I, I followed up with Alex Lang and hoping that his curveball works. And then uh, I yeah, took I another... <laughs> and I took another flyer at the end on Brian Abreu, not because I think he's going to get saves, but because I think he will help with strikeouts and ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Detroit situation is weird because as much as I talk about it and I look at it, uh, it's not really clear what's going to happen there if it's not Lang. So I think he'll get first crack at it. And if he's able to work um, that situation, I could be okay for saves. I just didn't want to be in a position where I had to hunt for them all year. And I just like, if Miller ends up being what I think he can be, he could run away with that job in Oakland. We'll see. With my luck, he'll probably be like a two-inning, you know, relief pitcher in the middle of the game and get nothing for me. Uh, but so it was a little bit of a risk there. But I think it was like the fifteenth or sixteenth round that I took Miller, and I thought that was a good spot to take him. 
Yeah, we, I wanted to get your take on like closer, like how you're just approaching the position in general. Will you do that moving forward? Are you going to say, all right, I'm going to get one anchor type like a class A or a Diaz and then just kind of take some guys that maybe are more like 50 50 bets and then uh, just kind of take your chances that way? Or looking back, do you wish maybe you took somebody took like two guys within the first like seven, eight rounds? Yeah, you know, it was funny because when I had Freed loaded up, um, I, well, I, and I took Freed in the sixth round, but I had um, Bednar loaded for me. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that I really, really thought it was a second closer behind Class A. I wouldn't have to worry about it all year. And it ended up that I got sniped on him, so I, ended, I pivoted to Freed. Um, the other best guy available at that time was Seawald, and I didn't feel great about it. Like, I just, I was like, you only have a minute to decide, right? So, like, you got to decide quick. And I thought, well, I'll go ace two here. Um, I like Freed. Freed's always pretty steady. Um, and I, so, I went for the non-sexy pick there. I think in, in a lot of the drafts that I'll do this year, I really want to get a 1A and a 1B. I want a, a guy that I think is going to be an anchor, but a guy, like, it's got upside. Like, I think Duran could be the number one closer, honestly, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I think most people probably would look at that and say, my God, this guy, if they just unleash this guy, it could be crazy, right? Um, if if I could end up with a situation like where I get Duran first and then end up with like a, uh, I know it might be a little bit of a fool's errand, but like a Bednar, it's not going to happen in an expert league, but there's other leagues that I play in that would happen. I just don't want to pay for saves this year. Cause I can't find, you can't find them. And if you, when you do find them, you have to overpay for them every year. I just, I, I think that I have to be done with that. What are you, how are you going to attack it? So as you know, I've traditionally been a guy who like I I don't pay for saves, um, and that that's worked pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it has worked for you. Yeah, I found like every year I feel like there's a pocket of guys. Whether it was like Jake McGee a few years ago or uh, Gregory Soto, I think maybe that was two years ago, and last year it was Seawald. You know, so like been able to identify these guys who I think are are going a little undervalued. I can't find that this year. I really feel uh-huh. like so I've changed my strategy. I've done three DCs or completed three DCs. And um, let's see. The first one I, I went, well, <laughs> first one was a nightmare because I ended up taking Duran and Presley. And literally, like the day after I drafted Presley was when they got hater. So that didn't work out. Um but uh so yeah but I, I did try at least to get two two guys within the first like six seven rounds second draft i did iglesias and then stevenson is kind of one of those guys for me right now um i don't know if he's going to stay where he's currently going in like the 170 180-ish uh-huh, range uh-huh. but right. i feel like i feel pretty good about him maybe not to start but um i think he's either going to he could either be so good that they have to give him the role or Estevez just kind of continues what he did last year and just, mm-hmm. you know, he, he drops the ball and, and they gave Stevenson the money. So he's the next guy up. Right. Um, so right. I feel pretty good about that. And then in my third draft, I went Diaz Fairbanks. So no, I love yeah, it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and Fairbanks fell to me. I was ecstatic. I mean, I, you know, I, I know the issues with the health, but man, I mean, Diaz and Fairbanks out of the, out of your closer spots. Like the thing is when you get guys like that, that, are going to be an asset in strikeouts as well, you know, on top of giving you saves. I think that's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if Fairbanks is healthy, he could be a top 10 guy easily. So I think you really did well on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, but 
long story short, that's uh, I, I'm going to be more aggressive in, uh, you know, getting these guys up top in a main event, like in a fab league. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm definitely getting at least one mm-hmm. up top, like that mm-hmm. round four area. I feel like I'm always going to come away with either a Duran, a class a, um, uh, who else is going Diaz usually going a little earlier, but yeah, I feel like you have to have that anchor and then we'll kind of see as we go. But, uh, yeah, so, um, good stuff, man. But, uh, we are going to wrap up in a minute here, but of course we got to do our mental health minute. So Mike, tell me what you've been doing lately to, uh, to take care of yourself and to improve your physical and or mental health. You know what I've been doing this, I've been doing fantasy baseball stuff and uh, work. It has been um, absolutely crazy. The last few weeks we've had uh, a lot of really significant mental health issues. We had another bout of COVID run through the building this week. And uh, what I love to do at the end of the night, after everybody's kind of in bed and just kind of relaxing that last half hour, hour before I go to bed is just grabbing a magazine and reading stuff that my friends that I can now consider friends have been writing in those magazines and seeing I'm a sucker. I buy them all the time, even though I don't really need, I don't feel like I need them. I just, I want to support. Yep. I just got that one too, Chris. I got the road of world last week. Yeah. DJ short company, right? Like, yeah, I, I know like, fantasy baseball magazines because there's so much content out there and there's a forecaster. Like I feel like those have kind of gone by the wayside, but there's nothing like going to the store and like seeing the magazine stand and seeing the new, you know, fantasy baseball mag. Like there's something about that that just, yeah. So I had to get it. And let me tell you this Roto world one. It's a good one. I'm impressed. It's excellent. Like the, the player profiles, like, Honestly, like a lot of these magazines, like you're getting kind of like it's more for like the very casual player, right? Like you're you're getting more like surface level stuff. Right, right. This one is freaking good, man. Like the player profiles, I mean, I, I thought they were so detailed and so well done. Uh definitely recommend picking this one up. The Roto World uh fantasy baseball. It's uh, outstanding. It's outstanding. Yeah. And the other one that I would I would talk about too is the uh, um Peter Kreutzer Roto Man. You know, his stuff that he did digitally this year was fantastic as well. And I always loved the the, the fantasy. And I can't remember the exact name of it. Forgive me. But they did um, points and counterpoints with fantasy experts on guys that they liked and didn't like. And I always loved that. So his stuff is definitely worth uh, worth checking out there, too. But, yeah, that's what I've been doing, Chris. I mean, honestly, to really kind of take care of myself has been if I immerse myself in baseball stuff, I don't think about work. I don't think about being the principal at a school where it's really stressful sometimes. And uh, there's been a lot of 10, 12 hour, 14 hour days here the last few weeks. And I really, I really have enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. It really takes my mind off of things. As for you, you know, you're a mental health professional who's working and doing counseling on a daily basis, which is way harder than what I have to do. What are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, well, similar. Um, I'll- I think honestly, like just knowing that baseball is around the corner and just, you know, like you meant, like getting, seeing the fantasy magazines and seeing pictures of, you know, guys in ill-fitted jerseys uh, in spring training, like, you know, like, I don't know, there is something like, I feel like I've just kind of been in a better mood and, and, you know, it's just kind of like that whole, like 
spring is coming, you know, baseball yeah. is coming. Yeah. Like there's just like a shift, you know, where the yeah. days are getting, you're getting more sunlight. Like there yes. is definitely something to that for me. Like, I, I feel like I'm like, all right, you know, like every time at this time of year, I'm like, we're, we're turning a corner, you know? Um, exactly. Totally right. So, totally right. Yeah. So definitely like I, like you have, have been immersing myself in baseball stuff and, you know, that's like a, a balancing act too, because sometimes, you know, when you, when you go overboard, obviously like things get a little out of balance and maybe that for me, sometimes can get in the way of me, like, you know, doing the things that like exercising or doing other self care. Sure. So it, it's, sure. you know, it, it's important to kind of keep that in mind too. Um, but something I did recently and, you know, I did it for the first time with myself. I've, I've done it with my clients for a while is, is come up with like, write out my own like personal wellness plan. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, I, I do this with my clients, like usually after a few sessions where I kind of have a sense of like, like big picture, what's going on with them. Like I'll sit down and I'll kind of do like an outline of like these various areas of their lives and, and these, um, you know, kind of goals for each area and like, like, you know, strategies or whether they be like, um, adjusting self-talk for example or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exercising three days a week you know so we kind of like hit like the physical health the mental health and just come up with a whole plan and we kind of refer to it as we go and um add or subtract as needed so i kind of i did that for myself recently and uh, i should have done it much sooner I, I don't know why i didn't but it was actually really good for me to just like i have it in my phone in my notes section and i'll refer to it every so often it's just kind of like all right, like I'm, I'll look at it and be like, I haven't been doing this. And yeah, it's no wonder I'm not like, uh, feeling great. Like I'm not following the things that I wrote down that I know worked for me. So I, I recommend that for everybody. Just like sit down. Like at this point, you should know like the things that do and don't work for you and just, just write it out and, and have something mm -hmm. to reference because a lot of times when we're stressed or overwhelmed or we just have too much going on, like, we're just on autopilot, right? And we don't like that stuff is not at the front of mind. So we need to find ways to keep it at the front or to put it at the front of mind. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's something that I've been doing. I've, I've found helpful. So that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you should do it too. If you haven't already. Absolutely. It's a great idea. Yeah. So all right, man. Well, let's uh, let's end it there. Next week, we got a good episode coming up. Uh, we're going to have Levi Weaver over at The Athletic. Um, so he's always he's been on a couple times with us and he's just an interesting dude. Um, not the typical like like he's just a very I don't know how would, like eclectic kind of guy. Like he's just a eclectic, very, very cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. He does the uh, Un uh, unlike you and me. Unlike, yeah, exactly. Two uh, eight <laughs> men over here. Um, uh, he does the, uh, it's called the wind up, right? The daily newsletter over at the athletic, which is really good. Uh, so excited to uh, talk to him next week, but uh, buddy, I'll see you. I'll see you then. Chris. Thanks. Uh, have a good rest of your week. Today's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. Have a great weekend. Uh, I'll be talking to you soon. And we have to uh, figure out our meetup when I'm out there in New York yeah. for tout. Yes. What what day again? Uh, it is like, I think I'm there March 14th through March 18th or something like that. So we'll definitely figure out a way to, For sure. I'll figure out, I'll figure out your, uh, your train system there. All right. Yeah. Train, <laughs> and figure it out a way to get out of my there. house. Oh, all good. 
We'll, we'll All right, for up. sure. All right. For Mike Carter, I'm Chris Torres. Thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat.